Woke up quick at about noon. And welcome into the Friday edition, the Friday, May 8th edition of the podcast with Amy Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar, where you can pick up your superfood smoothies, acai bowls, and organic cold pressed juices for, from whatever your favorite delivery app is. They've got three locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. Uh, you can also donate meals to our healthcare warriors at a variety of uh, of hospitals all around our great community. Appreciate you tuning in. Hope you had a great week. Appreciate you closing it out. It was nice to have some, you know, I'm, <laughs> I wasn't critical of the NFL schedule release party. I just always find the NFL schedule release party funny. You, we know we know what the schedule is. We, we even know who the teams are playing. Like, we know who's playing who. Uh, we know that, you know, divisions rotate every couple of years. So we pretty much know what we're getting, uh, what we don't know is is when and man when that wind drops it for some reason <laughs> it for some reason feels really exciting I had no intention of watching yesterday's show but as I was preparing dinner I was like oh it's five o'clock let's go ahead and you know throw Trey Wango and the crew on see what's going on here and I, I I gotta admit I got extremely agitated with Trey yesterday and it actually it didn't start with Trey it started with Adam Schefter because they were talking about you know Kansas City and they were talking about opening the season opening up against the Texans and you know that that whole deal first game of the season and they were talking about what a raucous atmosphere that Arrowhead was going to be and I'm like um no I don't I don't think so oh it's going to be special in there they're going to be hanging banners and it's going to be oh we know how loud that stadium can get and I'm staring at my TV like is, is nobody going to point out the obvious? It was actually so bad. I wondered, were they under a mandate to pretend like fans were going to be there? If, if, if 16 weeks of NFL football happens, 17 weeks counting the bye, 20 some odd weeks once you count you know, all of the postseason stuff, if, if 20 plus weeks of the NFL goes off, Without a hitch. That's that's a miracle from God. But there's no way that Arrowhead is going to be packed in September. It's it's just it's not. And it's not a you know, it's just kind of where we're at in life. And I said this to you, uh, I, you know, I don't I don't know. I've lost all concept of time, but I feel like I said it recently or maybe I didn't even say it to you. Maybe I just said it to myself sitting around the house. I wouldn't think that the. Kansas City Chiefs are going to raise their banner in an empty stadium. Like if, if, if they don't get the opportunity to celebrate their Super Bowl championship with their fans, I don't think they're going to celebrate it at all. I'm sure they'll do something privately where they get their rings and they have their party. That's, that's not uncommon. We, we, see, we, we get the photos of what was seemingly a yearly event with the New England Patriots and you know Brady rocking all of his different rings at once. Like we've, we've seen that. We know that that happens. That you know moment at the stadium, that's for the fans there aren't going to be any fans there. And they kept talking about how, you know, how amazing the, the, the atmosphere is going to be guys. Like, are you doing this on purpose or are you just plum dumb forgetting? So that was within like the first couple of minutes of me watching. So I was already agitated and I know that's a dumb thing to be agitated over. I just, I was, cause you know, I'm starting to think like conspiracy theory. Did the NFL tell them to not acknowledge what's going on? Did the NFL like give them a directive like, okay, you know, here's what, here's what old uh, dictator Raj told us, you know, don't, 
don't make mention of COVID-19, don't make mention of the coronavirus, don't make mention of a potentially shortened season, and don't make mention of uh, stadiums, uh, of games being played in empty stadiums. But, in, and even if that's the case, even if that's the case, I still found it weird that Schefter and Trey kept talking about, you know, how ruckus the, the, the Arrowhead Stadium would be. But uh, that's the game that we've got to open things up. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs against those poor, poor, poor Houston Texans who were up, what was it, 20-some-odd points, 24 points uh, against Kansas City at one point last year. And Patrick Mahomes comes back, and he uh, wins that game and obviously leads the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowls. There, there's a number of... There's a number of different elements here to talk about. Uh, obviously, the, the the most glaring one is Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have a franchise record, five scheduled primetime games. I feel like I got to get Ken Rudolph on the phone here to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've got five primetime games uh, that's tied with seven teams for the most this season. The Bucks went seven and nine last year. None of the other teams, again, there's seven with five primetime games. I'm certain one of them is the Dallas Cowboys. There's only one team that had a losing record last year, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You talk about the Brady effect. Holy cow. Tampa has the toughest strength of schedule in home games this season. Uh, the Bucs don't have their bye till week 13. It's the latest bye week for a Tom Brady team since 2001 when the Patriots bye week. This doesn't even seem possible. The this ha, Is this a typo? The Patriots had a bye in week 16? That can't be right. That has to be a typo. That doesn't make sense. Meanwhile, uh, the Monday night football schedule, we mentioned Patrick Mahomes there just a minute ago. I wanted to segue into his matchup with Lamar Jackson in week three. Sign me up for that. I don't give a damn if the stadium is empty or not. Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes, I'll take it. According to Elias, it's the second time that the last two MVPs will face off on Monday Night Football. Uh, the other instance happened in 2000, week one, 2000, when 1999 MVP Kurt Warner uh, went against 1998 MVP uh, Terrell Davis. Uh, in another note here, it'll be the third time that the reigning MVP has faced the reigning Super Bowl champs on Monday night and the reigning Super Bowl MVP on Monday night. Uh, so that's a good matchup. That's one I'm looking forward to, obviously, Kansas City uh, and Baltimore, two teams. And, it, you know, and that was that's the other thing that we do. You know, once the schedule comes out, you know, writers and insiders and you know, radio show hosts and TV show hosts and podcast hosts. We've got to predict wins and losses, which we predict wins and losses like around free agency. All right, let's 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 put together here and figure out how many games this team is going to win and how many games that team is going to win. And then we revamp it all around the draft. And it's like, okay, now after all of these draft picks and almost certainly a, you know a, a, a good set of trades here. Let's 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 revamp our wins and losses. You know, from 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 a, from from a little bit ago, and let's let's see what we got here. The new wins and losses, and then the schedule comes out, and we got to do another set of wins and losses. And why why the why the why it shifts? Why the wins and losses shift so often is is something I don't know. But it's always a uh, you know a, it's a fun exercise 
And I keep forgetting, you know, I was, I was been reading all of these different notes uh, on the schedule. I keep forgetting that Mike McCarthy is the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's the second, like I, the the Cowboys have come up recently, probably the last time was around the draft. I I'm I'm not really sure, but I know that they've come up recently and I would be, you know, making a point about the Cowboys or dad and it would dawn on me as I was talking. Oh yeah. It's not Jason Garrett anymore. It's Mike McCarthy. And I, and I, and I, and I, I don't know what it like. I don't know that I can figure out what that means. It seems like it would be a positive. Uh, you know, the, you know the, 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 there were certainly flaws. <laughs> there were certainly a lot of flaws in Jason Garrett's execution uh, as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think he was a horrible coach, but he was what he was. He was a, you know, he, <laughs> Jason Garrett is the cliche. It is what it is. Like he is a walking, talking, redheaded version of it is what it is. He's a 500 coach. Anytime you're a 500, he's a Jeff Fisher. He is a marginally better Jeff Fisher. And hell, didn't Jeff Fisher go to the Super Bowl? At least, didn't he at least have that on his resume? Was he the coach of the Titans when they went to the, to the Super Bowl where people pretend that that was a game-saving, well, it was a game-saving tackle, but people pretend that he was inches away from the goal line? It was Jeff Fisher's team, right? I honestly can't remember. But you get where I'm. You get where I'm going with this. Is they're they're basically the same. And so you think, okay, Mike McCarthy, all right, had, you know, he had a lot of good years there in Green Bay. Didn't seem to really have his quarterback's respect. Though I'm honest to goodness, based off of what we you know hear, I'm not sure who has Aaron Rodgers' respect. So it's hard to gauge. Like, is this a you know? It, it, it's hard to gauge if this is actually a negative mark. On Mike McCarthy. I know Mike McCarthy knows offense. And that's a plus. I also know that the Cowboys need to work on some things defensively. We know that they address some things defensively during the during the draft. But I tell you this, I ain't going to fall for it. Not this time. I fell for it last year. I, honest to God, thought that team was good enough to compete for a Super Bowl last year. Shame on me. I'm the dumbass. And all I can do is thank each and every one of you for not turning this podcast off after I destroyed every ounce of credibility I had last football season by saying I thought the Dallas Cowboys uh, were going to be able to get over the hump. I thought the Dallas Cowboys weren't going to do Dallas Cowboy things and were going to be competing. Uh, I Honest to God, thought they were going to com- be, be competing for the Super Bowl. I thought talent-wise, that team was good enough to compete for the Super Bowl. I thought they were good enough at the quarterback position, running back position. I thought they were good enough on their skilled positions on the offensive end. We know their offensive line is Super Bowl worthy, and I thought their defense would be good enough to get them by. I didn't think they'd be a juggernaut defensively, but I also didn't think they'd be a liability defensively. And uh, the fact that, you know, however many months later, five, six, seven, eight months later, you guys are still listening to me after I made that stupid-ass proclamation is really... It's a testament to your forgiveness of my stupidity because we all have bad takes in sports. Whenever you host it, it's not just, you know, talk show host or podcast host or media people that have bad takes. Just us as fans, like we, we've, we've got a couple on our resume that we were not necessarily proud of. Like I've got one that I'm, I, I had to acknowledge I was dead wrong about Dallas. Like I, I was screaming at the beginning of last year, Dallas isn't making the playoffs. The Mavericks aren't making the playoffs. 
Come on, stop it. This is silly. They need another year. Let them, you know, let them learn life without Dirk a little bit. Let, let's stop this. Dead, dead, dead wrong. Yep, owning that one. I am living through the nightmare of both a a uh, correct uh, analysis and a deeply flawed analysis on Dwayne Haskins. I was very much of the belief that Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in the draft last year. I was of the belief that Dwayne Haskins was going to have the best pro career of all of the quarterbacks who were taken last year. I also acknowledged that him slipping to Washington was my biggest nightmare and the most likely scenario in which everything I thought prior uh, was not going to come true. Dwayne Haskins isn't looking so good, which is terribly damaging to my take, if you will, that he was the most talented quarterback in last year's draft. Uh, but at least I was right about Washington screwing it up. But though that's the problem with my Dallas Cowboys take, is it's not really difficult to predict that Washington and Dan Schneider are going to screw something up. That's not even a take at this point. That's common knowledge. So when you go against the grain and you say something is absolutely idiotic as the Dallas Cowboys are going to compete for the Super Bowl, that shows your lack of ability to properly process information. And that's what happened to me last year. So I guess this was just a really long-winded way of saying thank you to all of you uh, for not uh, throwing the podcast in the trash and recognizing what a trash take that was and, and riding through. And I'll tell you this, I think the team is talented, but you ain't going to get me again. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't care what Mike McCarthy does. That team can go sixteen and zero, never lost in the regular season. I ain't gonna do it. And I know a big part of the problem with the Cowboys last year is has been a big part of the problem for the Dallas Cowboys the last ten years. I understand that it's Jason Garrett, and now Jason Garrett is gone. But you ain't gonna get me. Uh uh-uh, uh Fool me once, fool me twice, can't get fooled again. Mm mm. Uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, will make two appearances uh, on Monday Night Football. Uh, One in Week 8 against the New York Giants and Daniel Jones. And one in Week 11 at home against Sean McVay, Jared Goff, and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Two FC East-related appearances by the New England Patriots, who bid farewell to Brady, and are on track to start second-year player Jarrett Stidham in his place. The Patriots will play at the New York Jets in Week 9 on Monday Night Football. The Jets and the Patriots on Monday Night Football without Brady. It's... That's... that's Process that. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, who thought that was a good idea. Uh, and then week, let's see, that was week nine. Uh, what do we got here? We've got the Bills. Oh, that's the final Monday Night Football game of the season. That's week 17. Uh, that is the Bills and the Patriots. So those are the two uh, appearances that the Patriots have uh, on Monday Night Football. So, uh, oh, the annual week one doubleheader. I don't think I mentioned that. Of course, the Las Vegas Raiders aren't involved in that because the Las Vegas Raiders, they've got to have their own night because, well, John Gruden. Uh, week one doubleheader for September 14th. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers at the New York Giants, followed by the Tennessee Titans at the Denver Broncos. Those are your two Monday night football games. Lots of stories there. <laughs> is ben I don't think we talked about Ben Roethlisberger this week. Uh, he, he was essentially uh, roasted by um, Jay Glazer, you know, talking about his, you know, 
off season training as a yoga class and a beer or something like that. And I think he, I think there is video of, of, of Ben Roethlisberger out there throwing the football around. Like we've talked about this for, we've, we've talked about this since I've gotten back into sports media, I think four years ago. Roethlisberger is gross too. Like Roethlisberger does not look like a professional athlete. He looks like a dude who just keeps aging and he's aging poorly, but he's so big and he's so freaking difficult to take down. Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to be one of those players And this, you know, let's jot this down in the hot take category that could come back and hit me in the face. I don't see Ben Roethlisberger with the way that he, <clears throat> quote, takes care of himself. I don't see him being one of those quarterbacks who's going to be able to play, you know, into the late 30s or, or, or early 40s. Like, I mean, we've got Phillip Rivers right now on one-year deals with Indianapolis. We got Eli Manning uh, allegedly retired, but maybe not. We'll get back to that in a minute. So, you know, you have the, 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 the quarterbacks, the elite co- or elite-ish quarterbacks in his draft class. You know, they're, they're getting closer to the end. Ben Roethlisberger coming off an injury. Um, and he's just like, he's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers strikes me as a guy who takes care of himself. We, we you know, obviously Tom Brady has built a, you know, a, a, a business empire off of the way uh, that he takes care of himself. We, we, you know, and I don't know that we know a lot about Drew Brees's regimen, but we know what Drew Brees looks like. I don't mean to be an appearancesist, to quote Dwight Schrute, but I don't know. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't look all that good to me. He doesn't look like he takes care of himself. And maybe Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> he said he has interest in in playing, you know, into his early forties, and maybe he does. But goodness, man, at some point. His body's not going to be able to take it anymore. And obviously, that's the case with all quarterbacks. At some point, their bodies just aren't going to be able to take it anymore. But Ben Roethlisberger invites hits because he's so big. He's so difficult to take down. He doesn't, he doesn't, he can get hit in a way like he, a hit that would take Drew Brees down may not necessarily take Ben Roethlisberger down. So he can scramble around, which winds up him getting hit more. Part of Brady's brilliance is being able to avoid contact. Part of Drew Brees' brilliance is being able to avoid contact. So, you know, there's a storyline. Where is Ben Roethlisberger at? Where are these Pittsburgh Steelers at uh, as we enter this upcoming NFL season? Of course, what does Daniel Jones look like in year number two? Uh, did the New York Giants do enough to surround? Did did they do enough to surround Daniel Jones with with and Saquon Barkley with, with talent? Did they, you know, they worked on that offensive line this offseason. Is, is, is that going to be enough to get him a little bit more time? Uh, do, do they go with the let's get Saquon Barkley going approach and allow Daniel Jones to feed off of that? Like, what, what is their approach going to be uh, to this upcoming season? So and and that's 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 right out the gate. That's Monday. That's that's the uh, that's the Monday night football. That's game one of Monday night football. That's the first week of the season. And then we got the uh, Tennessee Titans. Will they be able to replicate anything close uh, to what they did last year? Anything close at all? Ryan Tannehill's you know got his money. Uh, Derrick Henry, I think. If I didn't, Derrick Henry get the franchise tender, get the franchise tag. So you you, you know you've got those two pieces. It's essentially a run it back campaign. And a team that I'm really intrigued by is the Denver Broncos. I, I Drew Locke got my attention, and I am 
severely critical of John Elway on a, <laughs> on a number of different topics, but specifically his inability to draft a quarterback. In addition to his inability to properly assess and pick a quarterback to lead his team. They might have gotten this one right. You know, eighth time is the charm for, for John Elway and this group in Denver. They might have found their guy, and honestly, I think that they did. What does that mean for this year? I'm not really sure. Drew Locke only has a couple of games under his belt. But I like the position that the Denver Broncos are in, and it was clear, again, by the draft, surround him with weapons, get him an offensive line to protect him. It's it's clear. Oh, we've got our guy. We're going with him, and now we're going to build around him. And you can always tell by the players. You, you, you can always tell really not necessarily by the positions that a team drafts as to how bought in they are on their quarterback. Because it's like if you're in on your quarterback, you're, everything that you do in the draft is based on them. You go through a checklist. You know, do, do we have the offensive line to protect him? Do we have the offensive weapons to help him thrive? Do we have the defense that can get him extra possessions? Like those are the questions that you're asking yourself if you have the guy you believe to be your franchise quarterback. Those are the questions that I think that it appears that the Denver Broncos were asking themselves. Those are the same questions that um, uh, like the Arizona Cardinals were asking themselves. The Cardinals believe that they got their guy. Because if, if, if you're not asking yourself those questions, if you're a, a, an organization and that's not what you're asking yourself entering these drafts, the question that you're asking yourself is, well, do we have our quarterback? Like you're chasing that quarterback. And, and, and I guess, you know, this, this goes, you know, you look at, and, and you look at what the Cleveland Browns did and perhaps this, you know, backs up the sentiment that, you know, Baker Mayfield's their guy is that they continue to try to surround a Baker Mayfield with the proper pieces. And, you know, you have year one Baker Mayfield and you have year two Baker Mayfield. And that's going to be the topic of conversation entering this, uh, this, this upcoming season is okay. You know, to steal the, the old Eminem line will the, will the real Baker Mayfield please stand up. Like which, which one is he? And that's going to be a, you know, a, a, a common discussion all year. And that's, you know, that I've seen nine and seven records for the Cleveland Browns. I've seen, you know, 10 and six, the, the Browns have a, a, an 18 year playoff drought. Are they going to break that? So just real quick by show of hands. Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC North, and we're not discussing that, correct? Everybody? Okay. Cincinnati, probably the worst. They, they, they've got a long way to go. Joe Burrow's got a, long, a, a lot of stuff to figure out, and barring him being Patrick Mahomes his first year, you know, even if he is, this Cincinnati Bengals team isn't talented enough for that, though A.J. Green is still on the roster. So are, are, are we going to go that we know the top and the bottom? Right, we know the Ravens, probably the Bengals there in 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 the cellar. Even if it's maybe it's a seven and nine cellar, maybe it's a six and ten cellar. I I I don't know, but we're going with them down there. But what's how does it work out in the middle? Like what what, what are we talking about with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like how do we how do we lay out? I, I mean, do two teams from this division make the playoffs? If so, what are the two teams? I have, uh, not just on this show, but, but, but in shows past, op openly acknowledged my, 
my horrible take regarding regarding the Dallas Cowboys, but what about the Browns? Like how many people were all about the Cleveland Browns last year? Maybe not necessarily to win the Super Bowl, but to put an end to that playoff drought. How many people were all about, okay, this is, this is, oh, they take that step forward because we saw that rookie season from Baker Mayfield. And this is, you know, we've said this a million times in years past. The worst thing to happen to a young, hot new quarterback. And, you know, Baker Mayfield experienced this. Kyler Murray is going to experience this. Um, there's a, there's a number of other quarterbacks in the league that are going to experience, man, Lamar Jackson is going to experience this at some point. The worst thing to happen to these young quarterbacks who come in and, 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 and they make some noise early is tape. Tape starts to happen. This is going to be an issue with Drew Locke. Drew Locke's got a little bit of tape under his, you know, under his belt now. Now they, then they look at him. Do we, do we have enough here to, to evaluate his tendencies? Do we, do, do, do we have a look at, uh, enough to look at here to evaluate, you know, his telltale signs about, you know, what he's going to do? Who does he look off? Those things happen. It happened to Tony Romo. It happened to Baker Mayfield. You can run through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback who had these, you know, spectacular, uh, whether it's their their rookie season or perhaps their first full season or perhaps a you know a partial season. I think for Tony for Tony Romo, it ran. Man, I think it ran, and it, I mean his first full season as the Cowboys quarterback. I think they were thirteen and three. And he took over midway through. I don't. I don't know that it was exactly midway through, but roughly midway through uh, for Drew Bledsoe the years before. So he had comfortably counting playoff games, maybe twenty four games under his belt, twenty five, and and then like that, it kind of peaked there. <laughs> like after that thirteen and three season, it was okay. He, he he's not getting as much time as he used to, and and you know Tony was was masterful at creating plays. They were frustrating because he was either, uh, you know, he was either all in or he was thrown out the table. Like he was, you know, he was either you know hitting the jackpot and winning big money, or you know he was getting thrown out of the casino. Those were the two things that was happening. It was either a fifty yard play down the field in which he scrambled for about thirteen seconds. Uh, to throw a touchdown pass or to throw a you know a, a deep pass that picked up big yardage, or you know he scrambled around for for 13 yards or for 13 seconds and then fumbled the ball and or perhaps he threw it and threw it into like quadruple coverage like that was that that was Romo, you know that that was the I guess they called it the Brett Favre mentality the the gunslinger mentality if you will like that's what Brett Favre was. And now all these quarterbacks are starting to get more and more film on them and these guys are paid to the. You know, teams have guys paid to evaluate what's on this film. What is Lamar Jackson's tendencies? How do we know when Lamar Jackson is going to win? What does Lamar Jackson do uh, through the bulk of his runs? Like, give us a telltale sign. You know, you you hear stories about guys um, on the defensive line, or excuse me, on the offensive line. You know, they'll look at they'll look at where uh, hand placement is. You know, if a hand is firmly planted in the ground. You know they're getting ready to block a certain way. If their hand fir- isn't firmly planted in the ground, they're, they're they're getting ready to do something different. Like players pick up on tendencies, coaches pick up on tendencies, and film tells the story. What is film going to tell on guys like Lamar Jackson, on guys like Kyler Murray? What is film going to tell on on a limited amount of film, like on Drew Locke? You know that's kind of where Jared Stidham is. You know Jared Stidham is a 
he's a big ass question mark. We know where Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted by the New England Patriots, and that got people's attention. Like I was like, oh. Second round, I'm drafting early. Okay, Bill. Okay, we're watching. That gets your attention. You ain't even got to see him play in the NFL. You ain't even got to see him play. It's like, oh, Bill Belichick likes him. We're paying attention. Jared Stidham was taken a little bit later. He was taken in the fourth round, which is, it's like right on the cusp, right? First, second, and third round, like those are gold. You like if you're trading those three picks, you're you're getting a you're getting a high quality player in return, or you're bundling them up. I mean, you're probably getting a really high draft pick in return. But one through three, man, that's that currency is gold. Four, it's good. Like fourth round pick, that's it's it's good stuff. But it's probably not getting a ton of attention. Jared Stidham drafted. Well, okay, we we saw Jimmy Garoppolo drafted. We saw Brian Hoyer sign. Like it's cool. They drafted their quarterback, and we'll, we'll move along. Tom Brady's going to be in New England forever. And then suddenly, Tom Brady's not there anymore. And here comes fourth-round pick, Jared Stidham. That's one of the great, that's one of the great things about him is, is he's a question mark. And he's a question mark for us. He's a question mark for players. And he's a question mark for, for coaches. And are we all in, like, Buffalo again? Is, is that what we're looking at? And I guess maybe it's the, the question isn't, uh, you know, is Buffalo essentially going to run it back? Are they going to be really, really good again this year? Uh, are they going to be better maybe even this year? But but perhaps the, the appropriate question as it pertains to this division, because we're so used to seeing what the Patriots do is, okay, well, where, where's, where's New England? Where's New England falling all this? Is New England a playoff team? You know, it's kind of what we were talking about there a, a moment ago with the AFC North. If if Baltimore is running it back, do they get two teams in? Does Cleveland make the playoffs? Does Pittsburgh make the playoffs? Same thing in the AFC East. If Buffalo was really good, does any? I mean, does no one think? Does anyone think New England's going to win the division? You get New England in there, and you've you've got Buffalo there. I don't know where the Jets fall into the mix. Like I don't think I'm not of the mindset that New England's going to be terrible. Um, Jets and the Dolphins. I don't know. Maybe maybe the uh, maybe the Dolphins are going to be all right. I don't know. I want to root for Brian Flores so bad because I, man, the way that season started last year, I'm looking at this dude like this. This is like he's the only black coach who's been hired in like the last two years. He's going to lose his job, and because of how badly this went, he's probably never going to get another head coaching position again. And black coaches are going to continue to be eliminated in the NFL because of stuff like that. But he, I, I don't know if he, I don't know how the Dolphins turn things around because, and I know this, it's weird to say a team that. <laughs> finished with such a poor record, turned things around. But you've got to take yourself back to the beginning of last year and remember how bad they were. They weren't just losing. Like, they were losing in record-setting fashion. They were scoring the fewest points in NFL history. They were giving up the most points in NFL history. Like, the, the, the point differential through the first, I think, like four or five weeks was record setting like it was extraordinary it was something like oh Miami's not gonna win like Miami's not winning a game this year and then they traded you know they started getting rid of players Mika Fitzpatrick was gone all of these things started to happen and it was like dude this is this has actually gotten to the point where it's gross and it's uncomfortable 
<laughs> they're just, I mean, these players out there on the field, like they're, you know, they're, they're, they're losing an entire season off of their pro careers because of this. And again, I, he, to a certain degree, they, there was a shift in that. It's like, okay, the, the, the Dolphins won a game. Okay. Maybe the Dolphins aren't, then, then suddenly it's like they, they win a game and then it's like, okay, maybe they're not that bad. Okay, maybe that maybe they're not trying to lose. They're just trying to put some things together. And then, of course, they went out on the highest of high notes possible, and that they beat the New England Patriots in what turned out to be an extremely meaningful game for New England in the final week of the season. So I don't have playoff questions about Miami, but I do have questions. And I guess, forgive me, sorry. Uh, I, I I try to pride this podcast is, is 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 kind of even though we talk about national topics I, I know that there's very little local radio in the Sacramento area and I try to focus on you know local stuff and here we are I don't even know how long 20 25 minutes oh sorry we're 32 minutes into the podcast and I have yet to reference uh the Los Angeles or the Las Vegas Raiders or the San Francisco 49ers so we'll do that right now the Las Vegas Raiders will make their uh, regular season home debut September 21st. Of course, it's on Monday Night Football and against the New Orleans Saints. This game is going to be simulcast on ESPN and ABC. Oh, ESPN is getting desperate here. The, and, and we we talked about this earlier this year. The NFL, they have basically thrown it you know, at the feet of ESPN saying, Hey, if you want better games and uh, you want any shot of keeping, you know, the NFL on your network as we move forward, you might want to consider taking us off of your crappy cable channel that people are uh, dumping at an alarming basis and put us on ABC. Tell the big bosses at Disney, put us down there on ABC. We're the biggest entity that you got. Put us on primetime network television every single Monday night. That's what we need to be doing. And we all knew that the Raiders, we all knew that the 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 Las Vegas Stadium was going to get a primetime game, and of course it makes sense for it to be Monday Night Football, but so ESPN can continue to gush over uh, John Gruden as they have uh, for so many years. Um, I don't know where to go with it other than that. Like it's 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 the Raiders, it's it's the Saints. That feel that's a that's an odd matchup, like the Raiders and the Saints. I don't. It's not one you get very often. All right. Gruden against Peyton. Okay. Breeze against Carr, question mark. Okay. Go with it. What's the stadium called? Is it a, a lion? What's this? I think it's a lion. Las Vegas Stadium. It's all black. I'm anxious to see it. It's, again, I'm operating under the assumption that these stadiums are going to be empty. I don't know if they're going to you know, let fans in and, you know, have, you know, fans sitting every third seat, every other row or something like, I I don't know how all of this is going to work, but I, I'm hoping we get a look at the stadium. I really haven't seen, I haven't seen much. I, full disclosure, I haven't exactly, you know, sought it out, uh, but I haven't seen much as it, as it pertains to uh, the Las Vegas stadium, other than the, you know, amazing outside of it and uh but that's it um looking forward to 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 seeing that i hope we get a nice little tour of all the, i remember the renderings the renderings that look i i remember seeing the renderings thinking this isn't even real this look like this las vegas this looks like a spaceship or something 
this looks absolutely insane. Um, and from you know the shots that we saw uh, the NFL draft, that, that's pretty much how it went. 49ers, uh, they'll open up against the Arizona Cardinals. They'll open up at home against the Arizona Cardinals, and then they'll spend the next couple of weeks in New York uh, as they'll take on the New York Jets in week number two at MetLife Stadium. And then they'll take on the New York Giants in week number three at MetLife Stadium. Uh, And then they'll come home for Philadelphia, Miami, and Los Angeles. Three straight home games there. Uh, They'll head to New England. So there is the matchup where Jimmy Garoppolo will take on his former head coach, Bill Belichick, at New England. That's on October 25th. And they'll fly all the way to Seattle uh, to take on the Seahawks. Does anybody... Do you know four members of the Seattle Seahawks? Check that. Do you know four members of the Seahawks not named Russell Wilson? Just off the top of your head, can you drop four Seahawks right now? Go. Did you get to four? Because the Seahawks, the Seahawks are a team that over the last couple of years, like keep like you know retooling, rebuilding, bringing in. Uh, you know they've obviously replaced you know the, the the entire defense that we were so familiar with, and yet. Year after year after year, they wind up. Oh, look at that! They're ten and six. They're eleven and five. Oh, look, they're great again. And I mean, this is a this is a question to be had about that division. You know, we talked to Kyle Matson the day after the draft. He spends a lot of time covering the San Francisco 49ers. He said, you know, today, the day after the draft, today, the 49ers aren't as good as what they were last year. But 2021, 2022, 2023, you know, they'll be be really good then. No one wants to wait till then. Like, what do we think that the 49ers are going to do? And more specifically, what do we think that the Seahawks are going to do? What do we think that the Rams are going to do? I thought last year that um, this might be the most exciting division in the NFL, the NFC East. And... I'm going to run with that again. I think this might be the most exciting division in the NFC, or I might, I think the NFC West might be the most exciting division in the NFL. And I think it might be the most competitive division in the NFL. I think there's a possibility there isn't a team in the NFC West with a losing, losing record. I think it's possible. I think there is a possibility, oh, a small possibility, but a possibility nonetheless that three teams in the division make the playoffs. I, th- I think it's possible. But where are the Rams? Like that, that, My question isn't about Seattle. I trust Russell Wilson, and I trust Pete Carroll. My, 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 I, I don't have questions about the San Francisco 49ers. I think very highly, probably too highly, of Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and I'm and I've I've bought in on Kyle Shanahan, and and, and honestly, the, I was far more critical of a John Lynch hire than a Kyle Shanahan hire. I I bought in. I'm in. You, they got me. I'm rolling with the 49ers. I'm rolling with the 49ers. I'm rolling with the Seahawks. I think Arizona's continuing to get better. I I mean, obviously, they got the most dynamic wide receiver in the entire league on their roster this offseason. Kyler Murray. Yep. Okay. 
What does the second year look like for Kyler Murray? Does Kyler Murray's second year look like Baker Mayfield's? I feel like all I've done this podcast is ask questions. But I've got a lot of them. Does does this second year look like look like Baker Mayfield's? Cause if it doesn't, man, we could be talking about we could be talking about an eight and eight, nine and seven Arizona Cardinals team. I'm not sure, like right now today, that I'm not more confident in the direction of the Arizona Cardinals than I am of the Los Angeles Rams. Cause the Rams are just like, ah, yeah. You know, Gurley's gone, which I think is kind of inconsequential. But the fact is, we know that the Rams, who are opening up uh, their new stadium, and then, of course, of course, by the way, uh, SoFi Stadium is opening up against the Dallas Cowboys. Because, remember, it was Jerry Jones who forced the Rams into Los Angeles when the most popular team, and this is this is a line you'll hear forever, the most popular team in Los Angeles now plays in Las Vegas. But nonetheless... I'm more confident in the direction of the Arizona Cardinals than I am the Los Angeles Rams because we saw how valuable a a prime, healthy Todd Gurley is for Jared Goff. We saw how valuable a serviceable running back is for Jared Goff. And the Rams weren't terrible last year. Not, 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 not even remotely close to terrible. But this was a, they were in the Super Bowl. So now what? Like, like <laughs> you've got to get back to that point. Like every, any, you know, there's only one direction to go. You either win the Super Bowl or you're going down. And they went down last year. So where are they this year? I don't. Are they any better? Of all of the of all of the teams, that, you know, we just Seattle, San Francisco, uh, uh, in 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 Arizona, in Los Angeles. Are they are, are the Rams any better? Are they the only team of those four that didn't get any better? Now I just said what Kyle Matson told us after the draft, where he said he didn't think the San Francisco 49ers were better this year than they were last year. And I disagreed with him then, and I'm gonna disagree with him now, but I'm only gonna disagree with him for, for one reason. And he knows the 49ers significantly better than I do, right? By the way, he covers them on a daily basis. He covers that team on an hourly basis. My point with the 49ers is is I am not quite irrationally, but I am significantly higher on Jimmy Garoppolo than most people are. I'm going to give Jimmy Garoppolo the, you know, I, I didn't, I, I don't buy that he was bad last year. I don't buy that the 49ers got to the Super Bowl in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he played well. I think he, for the most part, and I think he played smart again for the most part. And I think he did all of this coming off a major injury in which he lost an entire season. Now he has a whole year under his belt. Now this year, this is the year where we talked about the guy who was going to replace Tom Brady, where we talked about the heir apparent to the throne. This is the year we see that guy. This is a year I think where Jimmy Garoppolo is very much in MVP conversations. And this is, this is a great full circle conversation as we started today talking about bad takes and potentially bad takes and how you just have to own it when you say things out loud, be it on podcast or the radio or to your friends. Sometimes you've just got to own it. Well, if I have to own that one, we'll revisit that at the end of the season. I don't know where the Raiders fit in you know, the scheme of the, the AFC uh, West. I, I've, I, 
I always kind of get high on the Chargers, and then they let me down. So, you know, I don't know what to do with there. This is Kansas City's division. I like what Denver has done. So, I, I don't know. I, 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 you could convince me we're talking about a situation where Kansas City finishes first, Denver second, Los Angeles third, Las Vegas last. I mean, I... Right, right now, today, I think the Raiders are the worst team in the in in the division, and I know there are a lot of Raider fans listening, and I know I'll I'll hear it and I'll take it nine one six eight 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 fifty eight ninety eight. I don't think I I don't know the Chargers. I'm not gonna pick. I've I've read a lot of really good things about the Chargers. The Chargers are kind of in the Cowboys category for me. I ain't doing it again. I know they've made a change at the quarterback position and all of that stuff, and I like tremendous amount of respect for Anthony Lynn. I ain't doing it. You know, you've you've yeah, you've got to do something before I before I jump on that bandwagon again because I have picked. I think I had them as a Super Bowl pick a couple of years ago. And of course, that was a year they were decimated by injuries that year, and I don't even think they got to the playoffs. Um, but that division, tell me why. Dalton Murphy, I know you're listening. Tell me why the the Raiders aren't going to finish last in in this in this division. If you're a Raider fan, tell me why the Raiders aren't finishing behind Kansas City. Well, I I think we all have them finishing behind Kansas City. Tell me why they're not finishing behind Denver uh, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Again, 916-888-5898. Of course, you can connect on DamianBarling.com. Uh, and if you're there, uh, click the orange button in the upper left-hand corner and become a Patreon. Check out my new podcast, Relive. Go subscribe to that, by the way. I really think you're going to like this one. I didn't expect it to get approved by iTunes so quickly, uh, so I didn't mean to be promoting it a whole month in advance, uh, but that's just kind of the way that things happen. When I launched this podcast, for some reason, it took forever uh, to get put on iTunes. It was put on Spotify. It was it was put basically everywhere except for iTunes. It took almost a week and a half uh, for this podcast to get approved and 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 go live on iTunes, uh, it took uh, it took about thirty six hours for Relive to get to get posted. So search Relive with Damian Barling, hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the five stars, just based off the trailer, you're gonna love it. I promise. There's even a list of all twelve episodes that are coming up uh, this season. If you want to hear the first episode, go to Patreon.com/slash Damian Barling and join our little community there uh, on Patreon. You can listen to. Uh, the first episode in its entirety. It's available for you now. Episode number two featuring CM Punk and John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago. That will be available for you uh, next week, as will uh, a new podcast entitled What You Missed. It is our weekly wrestling podcast that discuss the current product, and there is plenty to talk about going on behind the scenes within the current product of uh, WWE and AEW. AEW put on a hell of a show on Wednesday uh, by the way, we'll also have our first uh, podcast video stream that'll be available uh, exclusively for our Patreons. And uh, the entire archive for Be Conscious is going to go up this weekend. Many episodes are already available, and a new episode of Be Conscious is going to be going up this month. And there's quite a bit to talk about there uh, in that category. Uh, Last Dance coming up this weekend, episodes number seven and eight. I believe someone called this the penultimate weekend uh, for The Last Dance. It's episodes number seven and eight coming up. We know we're going to deal uh, with a number of different situations here, including the death of Michael Jordan's father, uh, 
the transition to baseball, and then the return. Uh, we also know that as it pertains to the 97-98 season, we're going to get some discussion on the fight that Michael Jordan had with Steve Kerr, and it's and it's difficult to uh, to call it a fight as well, Jordan punched Steve Kerr. It's a story uh, that we've told on the lowdown. It's a story that's kind of been told forever, and I don't know that this is an episode that uh, Steve Kerr is particularly looking forward to. Practice fights happened all the time, um, and and practices were very different back then. There was there was a intense competition in practices. We scrimmaged, we competed, we butted heads, and on every team that I was ever on, there were three or four practice fights a year. It was not uncommon. Uh, right. Generally, those things remained under wraps, and I don't think anybody found out about uh, the fight that Michael and I got into for uh, for months. I think it came out you know, way later. Um, but it, stuff like that happened. It was just intense competition. And he, you know, he went on Practice to, 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 to say as well time. that he's not, he, you know, he's not particularly proud of this. It's, it's weird. And he thinks it's going to get even weirder this weekend when it's, you know, discussed by the two parties, uh, at length here, uh, in this upcoming episode. Uh, and, and of course, you know, al- al- along with, you know, Jordan's exile into baseball comes the, comes the Houston Rockets, and then, you know, comes, you know, the great what-if questions that surround Michael Jordan's retirement. What if Michael Jordan hadn't retired? Would the Bulls have won eight straight titles? What if Michael Jordan hadn't retired? Would he be the leading scorer in the NBA? Would he have eclipsed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Um, ESPN statisticians did some math here and determined that you know, just based on the way that Michael Jordan was was playing, based on the way that he played when he was returned, when he returned, uh, barring any catastrophic injuries, th- there's a high probability that Jordan probably would have scored in excess of forty thousand points, uh, thus eclipsing uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career total of uh, thirty-eight thousand three hundred and eighty-seven, and obviously with that becoming the first and only player to this point to hit the forty thousand point barometer. A lot of what ifs here. Jordan's return in the middle of the 94-95 season that leads to, you know, a playoff run that ends against the Orlando Magic. One thing that I think is often forgotten is that the Bulls came back the next year, played the Orlando Magic again, and ran them out of the building and ultimately ended what was that very short-lived, exciting Orlando Magic team as Shaquille O'Neal headed off to Los Angeles right after that. Uh, so there's 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 a there's a, a lot to be there's a, there's a lot to be covered uh, in this upcoming uh, set of episodes here uh, of the Last Dance and obviously looking forward to it. Um, we talked about Tom Brady a lot today. What we haven't talked about is Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson against Peyton Manning and uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, Ernie Johnson hosted a Zoom uh, with. All four of those participants in Peyton, uh, Peyton was having some fun at Brady's expense. Ernie, the course, you know, the tournament had to be in Florida. You know, after Tom's B&E arrest, uh, you know, with the ankle monitor, he couldn't leave the state. Uh, so it had to be in Florida. Uh, Tiger and I talked to the sheriff in Tampa. He's going to be allowed to go to Palm Beach to play. Uh, I'll be honest, I've never played Tom very well on his home turf. And so... Maybe this is considered a neutral site, and I would have loved to have had this tournament 
in a place where they don't like Tom very much, Indianapolis, Denver, Boston, you know, after he just betrayed them and broke their hearts. So Palm Beach is the best we can probably do. Uh, look, I think the teams are fair. I think, uh, you know, Phil chose the right partner and Tom together. You know, they have 11 championships. Tiger and I have 17, the way I count it, right, Tiger? Peyton Manning right, course, living out you know, his uh, dreams be of being Florida. a stand-up comedian there. Good stuff from uh, Peyton Manning. Tiger looks great, by the way. Uh, not to take away from Peyton's roasting of Tom Brady there. Tiger, Tiger looks Tiger looks jacked. Like, he looks absolutely fantastic right now. I still don't care about this. Like, I'm sorry. I, I still don't care about whatever this this thing is um the match uh but if hey i'll play along i'll watch it uh, as we start to wrap things up another thing i don't care about oscar de la hoya god bless it you talk about pay attention to me uh, he's still telling people he'll beat conor mcgregor he's still telling people he'll knock conor mcgregor out in the second round and god don't do this like conor mcgregor versus oscar de la hoya like are you are you kidding me like stop stop all of this uh, before we really wrap up, um, I guess I guess this is a big day in the NBA. I guess facilities in 15 NBA cities are opening today. Sacramento is not one of them. From what it sounds like, it was reported yesterday. I think it was by Sean Cunningham, or I think it was by ABC 10, that uh, I guess Monday is the day for the Golden One Center to open up for players uh, who want to practice. Um, obviously, there's, 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 there's guidelines. Like you've, uh, There are temperature checks uh, for any player or staff member who enters the facility. Um, there are different sorts of screenings that uh, every player uh, and staff member that enters the facility will have to go through. Uh, players must wear face masks or face coverings at all times except during the period in which they are engaged in physical activity. Staff members are required to wear face masks and gloves at all times. Uh, Players and staff are expected to stay at least 12 feet apart. The one, um, the one, uh, you know, break of that rule is if a player is getting treatment uh, from a medical, you know, from, from, from their athletic trainer, uh, in that situation, everybody must be gloved. Everybody must be masked. Uh, full hazmat suits for everybody. Um, also, uh, only individual workouts are allowed and on a voluntary basis. In other words, no coach, uh, no team can tell a player who might be outside the market in which their you know, uh, a team that they play poor pro- professionally is that they can't be told to come back. Again, hypothetically, if Buddy Heald is in the Bahamas, he can't be told to come back. Like That's not how this works. Um, players are not allowed to work out with the team's head coach or any other first-row assistant, but can work with the behind-the-bench assistants or player development coaches. General managers are not allowed to wor- watch workouts, not even from afar, and no more than four players are allowed in the facility at any given time. And so um, what many people perceive to be step one in the NBA resuming its schedule or the NBA salvaging some sort of playoff uh, begins today. I'm not of that belief. 
I think this is a, I ultimately, I think, I don't think that this means anything. I don't think we're getting a season and maybe that's just me being a pessimistic dick. I just don't think it's happening. Uh, but if they did, uh, the playoff matchups are set right now as the Bucks and the Magic, uh, the Pacers and the Heat, uh, the Celtics and the Sixers, and the Nets and the Raptors. Of those teams I just named, the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics, the Nets, the Raptors, none of them can work out today. In the Western Conference, the playoffs would look like the Lakers and the Grizzlies, the Thunder and the Jazz, the Nuggets and the Rockets, the Mavericks and the Clippers, uh, of those teams that I just named, only the two Los Angeles teams are unable to work out right now. Appreciate you so much uh, for being here with me uh, today on The Lowdown. Thank you so much. <laughs> the Lowdown. Wow. Thank you so much for being with me here today on the podcast. Uh, and thank you so much for being here with me this week. And if you tuned into The Lowdown, I appreciate that too. Uh, if you're a Patreon member, appreciate that. If you're not, go check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. There's a lot of great extra stuff there. It's our own little world, our own little community. There's tons of exclusive stuff, uh, including three podcasts just for Patreon members. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash Damien Barling or go to DamienBarling.com and click the orange Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. Have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. We'll be back here Monday. We'll recap what goes on uh, in the last dance. We'll talk more about the NFL, and we'll get an update on how things are going in these 15 NBA cities uh, that have opened up their training facility. Be safe. Have a great weekend, and we will see you back here Monday on the podcast with Damian Barling.